0: and remember, quoting is for the week. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Well, hello there, Millionaire Insurance Producer listeners. It's great to be with you today. My name is Charles Specht, and I'm the guy who's going to be talking to you today about how to get your prospects to trust you, how to get your prospects To trust you. Now, what I'm going to be doing here in the very near future is that I'm going to be doing a series of podcasts on a number of different topics. And so today's going to be part one on how to get your prospects to trust you. This is obviously a main problem for a lot of different people how to get your prospect to trust you. You And so there's going to be a number of different things that we're going to talk about in regards to some of these problems that you are dealing with, okay? Some of these problems that you're dealing with. Now, um, from my last podcast episode last week that was put out on Thursday, I asked you to not break up with me because we went through, um, we went through a series of topics about really why insurance buyers shouldn't trust you why they are skeptical, in a number of different things in which I'm going to read these off here in just a moment, but these are the reasons why they don't trust you. Sometimes it's not necessarily even your fault, it's just that the way the insurance industry is set up. In fact, I was even sitting here for about five or ten minutes before I hit record trying to figure out what was I going to really title this series because I was trying to think about it as you solve a problem rather than sell a product. You solve a problem rather than selling price. And so there's problem, price, and product. There's those three things, and that's typically where insurance producers play. There is problem that needs to be solved. There is price that needs to be issued. There is product that needs to be sold. The problem is that most insurance agents spend their time selling on price or product. What the insured, however, really wants is that you solve the problem. That's a big difference. Solve their problem, win their business. Sell on price, get rolled. Try to sell a product, they're not interested. You haven't actually addressed the problem that's there. So as we start going through this, I want to just kind of remind us as uh, these loyal listeners out here, I might not be talking about you, but then again, I might be stepping on your toes a little bit. Because here's the thing, in the vast universe known as the insurance galaxy, there are lots of insurance brokers of all shapes and sizes um, focusing on different things and so forth. Um, Some of them are independent agents, some are captives, some are direct writers, some are underwriters, some are sales reps, some work on the carrier side. There's lots of different insurance people, some that do servicing, account managers, account executives, there's loss control people, and, and all of these people have, if you will, they have an insurance license. They have an insurance license that allows them to do certain things, to sell certain products. Well, part of the insurance licensing program process is that you have to have some kind of ethics training. You know what? It's amazing, but the the insurance industry wants us to be ethical. Go figure. They want us to be ethical. They want you to be ethical. Here's the problem, is that it's very difficult for us to prove our ethic to the insurance buyer. Because the way the insurance industry is set up is that there inherently isn't much trust. There isn't much trust in the insurance industry. A lot of it, I feel, stems from the fact that we receive a commission based upon what is sold. Therefore, our interests are not necessarily aligned with the insurance buyers. Our interests are not necessarily aligned with the insurance buyers. I mean, you think about all the different types of industries out there where somebody earns a commission on something, the person who is being sold or who is purchasing that product tends to not really feel all that comfortable about the process or maybe even the end result. You go to an auto dealership and you buy a car. Um you know, when you're sort of haggling back and forth with the insurance or rather with the uh, salesperson, you're not necessarily feeling potentially like you're getting the best deal here because there is commission that is involved. Same thing goes even with buying or selling a house. You've got these realtors and there is a commission involved with it. You're selling and buying stocks or you've got financial advisors, whatever it is. There is a commission involved on these things and sometimes they don't have your best interest at heart. Well, sorry to burst your bubble here, but the same thing takes place with the insurance industry as well. The insured, the policyholder, your prospect, or even your client, doesn't really trust you because they don't know how. The insurance industry is inherently set up for you to fail. Let me just say that again. The insurance industry is inherently set up for you to fail. Period. It's not set up so that you succeed. It's set up so that you struggle. It's set up so that it becomes difficult. It's set up so that many people fail, drop out, get out of the industry, whatever. Because it's very difficult to get prospects to trust you. It is very difficult. Here's some of the reasons why, um, why I have an insurance consulting company called Constructive Risk Because insurance buyers hire me to help them manage the insurance renewal process with their broker or any other competing agents that I might bring in who specialize in that industry and that geographic location to make sure that everybody is doing what they should be doing above board, that everybody's going to the right carriers that need to be uh, accessed, and that everybody is putting together a proposal with all the numbers shown, and that somebody, that's me, is actually breaking down what's there in an unbiased way so that the insured can make a real business decision on what is best for them rather than whatever a salesperson wants to do to steer them down the direction they want to go. Can I just tell you before I even like read this list? Like I was an insurance broker for 10 years, so I know how hard it is to sell. I know how hard it is to prospect. I know how hard it is to actually just win, if you will, and retain business. I remember having a conversation with um, somebody that I met earlier on in my insurance career, very early on, and um, over the course of years, as I got to know him a little bit more, he said something to me that I understood what he meant by it, but I just don't buy it. And I feel I have a sneaky suspicion that many of you insurance producers out there probably say or think the same thing, but you have a sneaky little mindset going on in your head thinking, it's not really true. It's not really true. And here's what he said he said, I actually, Charles, I actually feel that it's in the insured's best interest to only work with me on their insurance renewals. Now I understand why he said it. And there's a sense in which at times it could be true. But usually it's not. And frankly, if I think that we really took an unbiased approach at it, we began looking at ourselves, our own unique strengths and weaknesses, the strengths and weaknesses of our service team, the strengths and weaknesses of our agency, what appointments we have with different carriers and programs, and the specific niches or industries that we are familiar with, I believe that if we were really honest with ourselves, we would probably come to the conclusion that it is not in the insured's best interest to work with me solely on their insurance renewal. That they would probably be better off If they worked with different agents and agencies, got quotes from them from different carriers based upon their relationship with those carriers and how much premium they have with them, their relationship with the underwriters, what services they provide, and so forth. Look, it's a competitive industry and there is no single agent or agency that represents all the carriers. Just simply don't. In fact, you don't represent most of the insurance carriers. Let me just say it again. You and your agency do not represent most of the insurance carriers that are out there. You simply do not. Therefore, it is quite logical to assume and to believe that there's another insurance carrier out there that's potentially significantly less expensive, more competitive, has a better policy than anything you can provide to the insured. It's quite logical to even assume that there are other agents or agencies out there that have a better suite of services that they could offer to an insured than you. Yep. Yes, indeed. So that's why, very often, the insurance buyer is not best suited by picking or choosing one agent to do business with going forward. Now, I can also tell you that coming from the perspective of an insurance buyer, let me just tell you that it's a catch-22 for them because that's what they would like to do. They would like to just choose you. They would like to just trust you. They would like to just put all their eggs in one basket with you and have you go to the marketplace and get the absolute best deal, the lowest price possible and bring it to them and that they could know without a shadow of a doubt that after the process was done, they got the best policy for the lowest premium possible and then they got the best service from the agent that they chose. That's what they would like to have. They do not want to work with multiple agents. They don't want to get quotes from multiple agents. they would rather choose one, but again, the insurance industry is set up for your failure. It is. It's set up to not work in your best interest. I would love to change the insurance industry in the future. I would personally love to have all policies, if you will, be written at a 0% commission and insurance agents establish a set rule for, if you will, the, the fee, uh, a fee for the services that they provide. It will, I believe, cause a lot of insurance agents to get out of the business because I think we have too many agents in the business anyway. I feel that it would cause a lot of those sort of mediocre and even unethical agents to get out of the business and then it would really cause then the insurance um, agents and agencies that are still around to actually begin thriving. Uh, That's my own personal opinion. You probably might not agree with that and that's okay. It's my podcast and not yours. So I'm the one talking here. So this is just stuff that's rolling off the top of my head. But here's kind of where I'm going with this, is that insurance renewals shouldn't be a mystery to your prospect, but they are. Here are some of the main reasons why they shouldn't necessarily trust you, because they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So the first issue is that there are inflated premiums on your quotes that you bring to the prospect. They are inflated. That is, what I mean by that is that they are not at all anywhere close to being as low as they could be. When you bring those quotes, typically they are inflated, they are not As low as they could be. The second major problem is that there are very oftentimes hidden or undisclosed fees, broker fees, other fees like that that the insured has to actually pay over the course of time. They're just not disclosed. They're not. You say, Charles, what are you talking about? Oh, all all kinds of fees, wholesale fees and surplus lines fees and taxes. And you know what? It's amazing how many times people I see, even in the construction industry, will put together quotes that uh, the insurance carrier charges for um, certificates of insurance, waiver of subrogation and so forth. But it never says that in the proposal. Oh, forgot to tell the insured about that one. Yep, it happens actually a lot. So hidden or undisclosed broker fees, that is just a broker fee from the insured as well. Um, Lots of different agents, for example, I've heard of, certainly on the personal line side, where they represent an insurance carrier where many of their competitors don't, and so they feel that allows them to just attach, for example, a $50 or $150 broker fee to every policy that they write. Why? Are they giving any additional service for that? No, it's just that they have the, the carrier, the appointment. Nobody else has it, you know, for the most part in their competitive area, and so they just charge for it. They're just making a whole lot of money. Again, it even gets back to that first part, inflated premiums, if you will, on the quotes. It's just higher because um, nobody really went back to negotiate, but then really hidden and undisclosed broker fees. The third one is brokers receiving excess commissions. Absolutely. 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 Broker fees receiving excessive commissions. Nothing wrong with getting paid, by the way. Nothing wrong with getting paid. You are a salesperson. You better get paid. Absolutely. I want you to get paid. I absolutely want you to get paid. I want you to get paid as much as you possibly can. I want you to get paid as much as you possibly can so that the insured is comfortable with it. But it's amazing when one of the first times I will ever say to a to insured, you know, as I start, um, you know, adding up the various policies that they have and all their premiums, you know, just by taking sort of a random guess, you know, 10% on work comp, 15% on you know GL and auto. It's probably more than that, but just use 15%. Show the insured this is how much your agency is getting paid to place these policies. Are they providing services to you that? are enough compared to how much they're actually getting paid. Most insurance buyers are floored when they see how much insurance agents are being paid versus how little service they're actually getting. So brokers do receive excessive commissions. And frankly, um, agencies also receive excess contingent performance commissions based upon the premium that's actually being sold. So the amount of, of money, obviously, again, it's great to be in the insurance industry. But the amount of money that an agency and an agent makes is fairly high. So excessive commissions. Not necessarily, again, in the insurance buyer's best interest. The fourth one, brokers who don't negotiate on your behalf. Or that is the behalf of the insured. Because why? Well, reducing premium makes, means that you're reducing your commissions. Okay? I'm not saying you do these things. I'm not saying you do any of these things. Uh, but it might be true that you do all of these things. Or some of them. Or maybe someone from your agency does. Or maybe your agency principal does. Or maybe your competitor down the street does. But some somebody does. And frankly a lot of people do because this is why insurance buyers don't trust insurance agents. Another one is that brokers promise a lot of service to get the business, to win the business, but once the sale is made and the dust settles, they don't actually fulfill those promises or obligations to actually give the services they promised. Frankly, poor customer service after the sale. Happens a lot. The insurance buyer, if they go with you as a new agent, they really don't have any idea what they bought. They will probably never meet your agency account manager or customer service person or receptionist Uh, Maybe even never meet the claims person if you you have one and so forth. They're never going to meet your claims people. They're never going to meet your service people. So when they are choosing to buy something from you, they are buying blind. They are really just kind of throwing darts in the dark here and hoping for the best. This is why the insurance industry is set up for you to fail. Another one is that there is a lack of qualified competition to motivate your current broker. Oh, okay, I'm going to step on some toes on this one. Question, if you have a client and you know that they're not quoting you out, they're not bidding you out, they're not getting any competitors, are you really going all out and doing the best job you can for that insured Putting together the best submission to the marketplace and really negotiating hard with the underwriters to drive down the costs. Are you, are you going out to, to all the markets, frankly, who are writing the business? Or, or do you do what most insurance agents in the United States of America do on their renewals? Again, maybe not necessarily you, but I do believe most insurance agents on their renewals, many often or many times. Often, I think more than not, again, depending also upon how big the account is, but insurance agents do not market their renewals in the same way that they might market a piece of new business. They don't put together full submissions before they send it back out to the carriers. They might just go out to, all, to a bunch of different markets, block the market, haven't even updated the proposals. Uh, many times they don't even update the exposures, and frankly they never do it with the underwriter, and then they just get a declination from the underwriter. They're like, yeah, I guess that's just not a very competitive market. No, it's that you didn't actually do a good job because there was no competition there. If there was competition, you would have done a better job. That's why, I mean, for that, for that reason alone, for that reason alone, I reject what my buddy in the insurance business said where he felt it was his, in the insurance best interest just to do business with him. I don't think so. I don't believe so. Low quality applications submitted to the marketplace. That's what I just talked about. But I think it's not only just on renewal, it's also on new business. I mean, frankly, as as an insurance producer who is playing the amateur role of just throwing mud against the wall to see what sticks, you meet with prospects, you hurry up and put together a submission. Even if you don't have everything, if you've got the basic minimums to send it out to the marketplace, you quickly send it out to the marketplace and you secure your markets. Not in the insured's best interest. It's in your best interest, not in the insured's. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. So don't settle for less, do more with NBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. That's nbsbrokerage.com. And by the way, tell them Charles sent you. If you've got you know, an account that's paying tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, why would you have the audacity, and by the way, I mean you, not, not you specifically, but you as the insurance world, the universe, why would you, insurance world, have the audacity to market that amazing prospect who has given you the time of day, market them like a used Buick rather than a red Ferrari? Why would you do that? Why would you put together such a subpar application to the marketplace rather than put them in the best light so that you could obtain the absolute lowest rates and best terms possible? Well, that's why the insurance industry is set up for failure. Low-quality submissions submitted to the marketplace. Another one, brokers that block markets or aren't even appointed with the most competitive carriers. This probably is what I mean. Look, if, if competition is the other thing, uh, this is probably the most important there's again. There's just no way, for the most part, that you represent all the markets that are out there, depending upon the class of business. And it's just just true. And even kind of depends upon um, if it's a a hairier class of business that there's just not many carriers who write it. In fact, I can tell you that you know whenever I'm working with or coaching an insurance agent, and we're trying to figure out the micro niche to go over, I'll say, look, you know, you can kind of pick and choose whatever you want to go with. But my personal opinion is that I would much rather do, I would much rather prospect an industry that. Doesn't have many carriers going after it. Maybe there's only two, three, four carriers who are really competing for the business. Because if I have access to those two, three, four carriers, then frankly, there is no reason for the insured to work with another agent because I will get the quotes from every single insurance carrier competitive out there. I, much, I would much rather have that be the type of an account I'm going after rather than an account where there's you know, 53 different insurance carriers out there who want to write it. You don't represent them all and you're not going to go to all of them even if you do represent them. And lo and behold, you're just going to start losing business to other carriers and agents who come in just because you didn't go to the marketplace or you didn't represent something. So with that said, it usually isn't in the insurer's best interest to only work with you because you don't represent all the markets. Another issue is that brokers block markets. or not even a point. Or rather, I just said that one. Uh, the next one, inexperienced brokers pursuing the wrong market access points for quotes. This is a, this is a good one. This is a good one. Are you, are you doing business with any aggregators? Doing business with any networks? Or any sort of access points with wholesalers? Program business? Whatever it is. Sometimes you might get a better deal by going to the middleman, if you will, than direct to the carrier. Certainly if it's sort of program business. But usually that's not the case. Usually that's not the case. Working with an agency a few years ago, an agency in California, um, they didn't have access to travelers at the time, and so they were forced to work through an aggregator to get access to travelers, and I think they gave up like, I don't know, three or four or five you know, commission points, okay? Out of the 15 they were getting on the account, they were giving up that much just to get access to uh, the insurance carrier. Is that in the insurance best interest? Nope. Nope. If I knew, for example, if I was working if I am the uh, the consultant for an insurance buyer and I know that one has a direct relationship with travelers can go directly and another one has to go through an aggregator, guess who I'm choosing. Don't try to tell me that you're going to get better market clout with your aggregator. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. If all things being equal, it's quite likely the agent that has the direct relationship, again, so long as that agency isn't uh, ruining their relationship and not placing any business with them. But if they're doing a, a good job and they have direct access to them, they're probably going to get a better deal. Probably going to do that. And you know what else Also, they get? They get direct access, access to the underwriters. Typically, when you're working through an aggregator, you don't get to talk to the underwriters. Not in the insurer's best interest. You're set up for failure. So that would be the wrong access point. Oh, another way in which to kind of think about it is that I remember um, uh, working with another agent. He wrote a lot of private security companies. In fact, I think he had something like 250 or 300 accounts. They they tended to be relatively small accounts, but he just wrote it with one carrier. It was one carrier, had a little bit of a program, and so he just wrote it with a one carrier. And he could go direct to the carrier and get the quote, but this program had um, you know, special pricing, had the pen, could even offer like different terms. Well, it's in a much better position to go through that program rather than going direct to the carrier. Again, how does the insured know that? They don't know that. That's why they hire me, by the way, try to help them figure that out. But they don't know that. You just have somebody that says, oh, yeah, I represent Travelers. I can, go, I can get a quote from Travelers. We're going to get a quote from travelers. That could mean a lot of different things, especially to an insurance buyer who doesn't know what you're talking about. Finally, the last one is hidden exclusions or prohibitive policy terms. Prohibitive policy terms. There's a lot of different things, and for the most part, it's very rare that any two policies are created equal. They all kind of have their nuances, their T's and C's. Premiums, rates, hidden, uh, rather exclusions, and endorsements and conditions and so forth, they're just different. And even though um, you get two carriers that might have a subsidence exclusion, they are different in regards to what they will allow or not allow. You've got a, a general liability policy that excludes track development. It might only exclude a certain amount of track development or maybe even a geographic location or a track development up to a certain amount, whatever it is. But there's just differences in the policies, just differences. One policy I remember in the way that they defined a structure, that they defined a structure, um, was not really specific. It was it was cheaper. It was cheaper. But the way they defined a structure, and why it became an issue is this one agent was telling me about it is that um, he worked with a, a large agricultural account, farming account, so They had this big, huge structure out in their farm or ranch, whatever it was. And it didn't have walls, but it had like you know four major corners. Okay, four major corners that were holding up this entire structure, so you can come and go underneath all of it. Well, the way that the one carrier defined structure is that that didn't actually qualify for the definition of a structure. Whereas in the one that he was proposing did, it actually did define it uh, based upon that. And so there's just these things, prohibitive policy language. Um, Sometimes you know these things and sometimes you don't. It just kind of depends. I mean, this even—we're not even getting into it when we start talking about ISO policy language versus manuscript language, uh, the various exclusions in a manuscript, you know, policy versus just your normal ISO. Uh, it's pretty amazing what's in there and what is not. Okay, so all of these things come into play for causing the insured to not trust you. Now, I'm going to deal with this one, and then we're going to be done. Inflated premiums on your quotes, how can you do this? How can you get your prospect to trust you? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about as we continue on in this series, but I want to focus on this one. Inflated premiums on your quotes. What do you think you could do to help the insured solve the problem of you not necessarily trusting you because of the potential for inflated premiums on your quotes? What are some of the things you can do while you're meeting with your prospect as you're sitting in his or her office across the desk and the insured is trying to figure out if they can trust you? And you know one of these issues out there is that premiums are just too high. Premiums even for them may have been creeping up over the last years. And so they just have a distaste in their mouth for insurance agents overall. What can you do to help them overcome that? I think you should have a plan. I think you should have a plan to help them overcome that particular objection. Listen to me. It is wrong to try and sell on price or product when you could be selling by solving a problem. I really feel that you will do better. That is, you will have more success, you will win more clients, you will have more signed broker record letters, and so forth, when you work on solving an insurance problem rather than trying to sell on price. You will win more clients solving a problem they have rather than trying to jam a product down their throat. They don't understand the product. They don't understand the product. Please listen to me. They don't understand the product. They don't. You can give a 15 insurance agents in front of them. They all offer a commercial auto general liability or commercial auto policy rather. They don't understand what it covers. They don't understand the difference between Symbol 1 and Symbol 4 or Symbol seven, eight, nine. They just don't know. How can you help them with inflated premiums on their quotes? What I think that you should do is you should explain to them what your renewal process is going to work like when you meet with your, your underwriters. When you get the quotes from these underwriters, you have to, you have to put some kind of thought in the insured's mind that you are going to do whatever you can to drive that pricing down. And trust me, I tell you, it's not in uh, it's not in your best interest or the insured's best interest or the underwriter's best interest to drive that pricing down until even after the first proposal. Okay. Again, uh, there's other things that come into play. We're gonna talk about a lot of stuff in the future, but I don't think it's in your best interest to keep negotiating with the underwriter to try and drive drive down the pricing before you even meet with the insured to go over the proposal. Okay? Now, if the pricing is just out of this world, obviously you have to do that. But I'm not saying you know try and drive it down another two or three points if you don't have any basis for it. You're just gonna ruin your relationship with your underwriter. But after you do meet with the insured and they give you buy-in on you know moving forward with this particular carrier, then you're gonna go back and do everything you can to drive down the pricing. That's what we have to do. We have to ensure or we have to assure the prospect that we're gonna do certain things to help them overcome this main problem. So this main problem that we're dealing with of why they do not trust you is inflated premiums on quotes. Inflated premiums on quotes. How do you know whether or not the insurer, when they bound coverage last year with a different agent and a different carrier, how do you know they got the lowest premium possible? I would argue that it's quite likely they didn't get the best uh, premium out of that carrier possible. That they are paying inflated premiums with that carrier. Normally, underwriters pad their quotes. You also have to remember, and again this is why it is a recipe for failure, the insurance industry is set up for failure, is that the underwriter does not necessarily have your best interests in mind. The underwriter doesn't work for you. The underwriter works for his or her insurance carrier. The underwriter has his or her own career. They have to make their own numbers. They have to be profitable. And they can't be profitable or as profitable by writing bad accounts or suspect accounts or frankly driving down the pricing on all the accounts that you bring to them to the bare minimum because they're not going to have the money there to compensate for the bad numbers when claims start happening. And so you just have to remember that the underwriters are padding it for the most part. Where I'm going with this is that there's always a little bit more room. There's always a little bit more room. There's always a little bit more room. In fact, I was just talking with an insurance agent Last week, um, she was saying that she got a quote from a carrier, and the underwriter said there was you know they were at their base they were at their base minimum, uh, couldn't do anything else. And then I don't remember exactly what the issue was, but they they brought in something else like another piece of information, and, and then the underwriter said, "Oh, okay, you know what? I can drop down the the quote a little bit more, you know, because of that." And we're like, she was like, "Wait a minute! I, I thought you were already at your base minimum." Well. No, sometimes underwriters don't tell you everything. They want you just to go and sell something based upon the price that they have. Not the price your insured wants. So if you can express in a way that makes the insured feel comfortable with you that your premiums are not inflated, you will win more. You absolutely will win more. And so again, just kind of going back to that one point. You got an insured that was with another agent. They bound insurance last year. Ask them this question. When your agent last year brought you, and I'm just going to use travelers as an example. Love you, travelers. I'm just using you here as an example. When your agent brought to you the traveler's quote um, and they showed you the proposal and so forth, when you decided to buy it, was that the amount that you bound the coverage at? Or did the insured, uh, the insurance agent, rather, once you said you wanted to buy coverage with it, did they go back and actually renegotiate and try to drive down the pricing even more for you? Ask the question like that. Because if they say, hmm, no, in fact, I think once they just showed up, um, I signed the documents and gave them a deposit check. Ding, ding, ding. That is a winning moment for you to be able to drive home a wedge that the insured did not pay the lowest amount possible. I personally believe there's a significant amount of premium left on the table. A lot. And certainly when it comes to surplus lines, when we come to the non-admitted surplus lines market, there's more than just a little bit of padding. There's a lot of padding because they just charge whatever they want on the, for the most part on surplus lines. Even on the direct side, the standard carrier side, there's just padding. I kind of feel it's somewhere between like 5 and 15%. 5 and 15% of the premium that an insurance underwriter issues you for the quote. They probably got another 5 to 15% they could take off if you would just ask for it. If you would just ask for it. Hmm. Not too many agents ask for it. One last example, and then we'll be done. It's working with an agent, a number of. Uh, a number of years ago, yeah, maybe about three, four years ago, working with the state fund in the uh, state of California, state fund, state compensation insurance fund, workers' compensation carrier. Um, at the time, you know, was right, just I don't even remember what they were. One of the top, you know, carriers in the United States, let alone one of the top carriers in the uh, the state of California. Writing a ton of business. Well, um, the way that it works is that you can get credits from the underwriter based upon providing certain things that they want to see, such as an injury and illness prevention program. Okay, If you give them an injury and illness prevention program, and I believe the amount was like 5%, I don't remember what it was, but an injury and illness prevention program. If you can give to the underwriter a copy of the insured's injury and illness prevention program, you get an additional 5% credit. Question for you. As an insurance agent, whenever you do workers' compensation quotes, do you get a copy of the insurer's injury and illness prevention program and have that submitted along with your submission to all the carriers that you go to marketplace? What? You don't? You don't? And you have the audacity to think that the insured should only do business with you, that they would be uh, hurting themselves not to work with a second insurance agent? Well, it's just one of those things that if you don't know, you won't do it. If you're not an expert at workers' compensation, then it's probable that you're missing something. If you're not an expert at experience modification factors, then you're probably missing something. If you don't know what the uh, credit and debit structure is of an insurance carrier and what they can and cannot do in in that state and per that classification, then you are probably not the best insurance agent to represent that carrier. It just goes to show that there is a lot more that could potentially be done to deflate the insurance premiums if we just did some due diligence. It is for these reasons, and this one reason in particular, inflated premiums on your quotes, this is one of the main reasons why your prospect does not trust you. If you can help the insured to understand more clearly, specifically, with details about what you're going to do to drive down the pricing on the quotes you receive so that their premium is as low as it could potentially or possibly be, if you can convince the insured of that by showing them the process about what you're going to do to ensure that that happens, you will win a lot of business. However, the flip side of that is also true. If you do not or you struggle at getting the insured to see how you might be able to help them overcome that problem, they're going to assume then that you're not necessarily to be trusted. That the numbers that you showed up with um, are not as low as they possibly could be. That's where you will be at. Why? Because insurance buyers are like a four-year-old child when it comes to insurance. In fact, many of them think that you come up with these numbers yourself. They don't even know what's happening behind the scenes. It's amazing what things that you can do as an insurance agent to overcome all of this and win more business. My name is Charles Specht. I am the president and CEO of Permission Network, where I help and train insurance agents on becoming millionaire insurance producers. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast.